David Herskovitz, and you're listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Based in Vancouver, Canada, Burb strives to build on the city's legacy of cannabis tolerance and its gift to the world, BC Bud. Follow us on Instagram at shopburb and subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash lightculture. In the world of cannabis, no brand stands out like Sherbinsky's. It's been called the Supreme of Cannabis, as well as the Louis Vuitton of Cannabis. Sherbinsky's, a.k.a. Mario Guzman, spans the high and the low, his foot in the door to become the breakout brand of the cannabis revolution. After a fledgling career in real estate, he dropped it all to grow his own in a San Francisco garage in the early 90s when Brownie Mary and Dennis Perron fought for the right to distribute medical cannabis to AIDS patients. With legalization, his business took off, and he's been growing as a cannabis influencer ever since. With strand names like Sunset Sherbert, Gelato, and Mochi, he's not shy about working the Munchies card, a strategy that's got him name-checked in hundreds of rap songs. Now he's ready for the next step. His primo product established, He's going into retail, looking to crack the market of high-end streetwear with a new store on Fairfax in L.A. on the same block as Supreme and Diamond Supply. And he don't stop. Sherbinsky's Ice Cream? Why not? Sherbinsky's Smoking Lounge and Cafe? On its way. So come with me as we delve into the sweet mind of Mario Sherbinsky's Guzman as he lays out his vision for cannabis in the 21st century. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Light Culture. My guest today is Mario Guzman, a.k.a. Sherbinsky, the creator, grower of some of the most legendary strains in the cannabis world. Sunset Sherbert, Gelato, Mochi, you've heard of him, I'm sure. All have a sweet connotation. Was that part of the idea, Mario, when you did it, to have like a, a sweet association with, with, uh, with the brands that you were creating? Yeah, originally I was working with the Cookies, which was a strain that was created in San Francisco. And that was always sort of the mindset of, of why that was created. Obviously, people know the old stereotypical guy who's smoking, who's going to get the munchies. And I, but then beyond that, I just think that in terms of evoking emotion, attaching it to our product, that when people think of something that's pleasurable, they fell in love with it. And I think we started with cookies and then you got into the uh, gelato or the, the Sunset Sherbert was actually from Rite Aid in California. It has a little, has a little ice cream shop inside, you know, thrifty and they have a rainbow Sherbert, which is like a sorbet type dessert, which we started with. And then we got into the gelato is sort of like, okay, what would be more of a global dessert? And then that's how we thought of uh, where gelato came from. And so, yeah, absolutely. We, we like to make it fun and, we like when people are using our products or smoking any of our cannabis. So as you look out over the cannabis industry today, I know it kind of moved on from where it started when you first got involved. Are you optimistic? Do you like the direction it's going? Is uh, national legalization the number one thing that you're looking forward to? Just generally, how do you look out at what's been happening over the years since you got involved, which is what now, about 20 years? Almost 20 years. 
coming up that I've, that I've been involved in the movement. For me, you nailed it on the head. I mean, it's about access for me, you know, as I'm getting older and it, it's not so money driven. And I don't mean by like cashing out and yeah, but just as a way to like make a, make a living. But when you, you go past that, it's, it's about people, you know, I come from a time 20 years ago where, and I've told this story over and over again, but I'm sitting there playing video games with a friend and then they drive up to go sell just a small amount of cannabis and they never came back because someone shot him in the head. Yeah. So where I'm going with it is like now, fast forward 20 years, people that we care about, family and friends, they don't need to go to the streets any longer. They can go into a dispensary like where I'm from here in California. You know, there's, I think, 400 dispensaries throughout the state now that are operating legally that you could send grandma in their security things are tested. There's a wide variety of professional safe. And it's important that in order to, to not only have safe access for people that need medicine, but that it's from state to state. And I'm proud to say, I think we're like 36 or 38 states now. When I started in this movement, California was the first. And, you know, it all started in San Francisco, California, where, where I was happened to be at that time. And a lot of the breeding and a lot of the like many things that explode was this movement of legalization. And where my part was, was I started the relationship of the indoor small farmer that was growing in their garages or in small little farms. And they were bringing that, that product into the dispensaries. And it was really just the beginning, you know, Prop 215 set that, set the stage for that. And now we've seen it spread through so many states. And that was just in, I think, 2003, 2004, when that really rapidly started to take off, uh, there was a few dispensaries before that started in the Bay Area. And so for me, absolutely, it's about every state becoming legal and also the movement that we're seeing now with, with hemp and globally and CBD, which no one really knew about it three or four years ago. It was just sort of you'd see a little bit of it here and there. Now it's, it's readily available even through a lot of these local stores and things. So Definitely one of my number one goals is to continue to advocate, too, for the spread of legalization and access. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you were talking about grandma going into the dispensary, it reminded me that the seniors are one of the largest growing segment of the market now, as well as women. Is that something that you think about as well with your products of creating products that are friendly to those people as well as to, we know the hip hop generation is very invested in your brand. You know, they love it. You've been name checked by hundreds of rappers. So you've, you've got that market pretty much under control. But now we're seeing all these other markets developing. Are those of interest to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think my approach and with the branding and the way that we sought out to establish Sherbinsky's as a luxury lifestyle brand is how we were able to leverage the imagery of our packaging. Hermes was the first kind of inspiration where we were thinking, okay, how do we create a brand that for cannabis that's on that level? Because no one had done that at that point. A lot of the brands that you're seeing were very cartoon characters, a lot of old school kind of quote unquote kind of hippie type of vibe. To me, if we're going to tap into like women and if we're going to tap into this other market with people that are older than what we're used to marketing to, and a lot of it, it's us now. Before it was, you know, now we're becoming the older people and that's our generation. So I think to answer your question, it was really about creating a product that a woman or a high-class, sophisticated individual, a CEO, 
an older person, individual, they could see themselves with that type of package next to them representing what they feel is them. Because what stops a lot of people from purchasing these products is they don't see anything that really would be, um, because let's say the, the first impression is the most important thing, and especially when they're glancing. So we started with our color. When you glance through all the packaging that's on the shelf, that orange is always the first thing that pops out. Orange is also the most powerful spiritual color in India. So that color has a lot of meaning behind it. Um, but then just, you know, even from the simplicity of the lettering and, and the mind isn't going to go in any particular direction associated with any type of negative thoughts with that. So the packaging, we took a lot of time to make sure that we could cast a, a big net. So the wrappers would think it's cool and gravitate towards it, but then also women and other people could really be attracted to it as well. So did you work with like uh, neurologists or psychologists or branding experts, or is this more of something that you felt on your own? We did work with branding experts. Alex Mayland, he was one of the original guys that was part of building Hypebeast, and he did a great job at laying out what we wanted to do in terms of building like a legacy and we looked at a Ford and Chevy and the Dodgers and the Giants and looking at sports teams and old American brands and Levi's and just kind of looking at 30, 40, 50 years from now, like, what do we really want? If we are the best and we have the best genetics, how do we put ourselves in position to be that kind of brand? And he did a great job at giving us options and kind of educating on how it is that we need to position the brand. So he helped come up with the colors and then also my former partner and we were able to come up with the colors but then from there we had other people that contributed like our iconic print that was hand done by another individual out of spain and then that's become iconic with our brand as well and then mike sherman another popular artist and creative in los angeles created our our s icon logo so there's been kind of been a collaborative effort of creative people that we work with and also myself, obviously, and, and where the direction I wanted this go. But it's been a lot of fun and, and we've had just really good response and people really gravitate towards the brand and, and the energy we put behind it. So I'm, I'm really happy with what we've done so far. I'm looking forward to moving into the apparel that we're making, the furniture that I'm designing and getting more into other sectors of lifestyle goods. Yeah, well, you've done an amazing job branding in this space because I don't think anybody else has really come close, and it's it's very difficult, I must say. More and more people are trying to figure it out. I see you've been called the supreme of cannabis, but then I, I also saw someone call you the Louis Vuitton of cannabis. So if you had to pick one, which would you rather be? You know, to me, it's a little bit of a loaded question. Because <laughs> I know, that's why I'm asking. It's <laughs> It's flattering to be compared to those brands, but I feel that what I have the opportunity to do is to create something completely new from what those iconic brands were able to do. For example, I'm going to be opening up my dispensary at 345 Fairfax, which is just a block away from Supreme and, and Bape and Diamond Supply and all these iconic streetwear brands. And the thing is, if I, for example, if I followed in the footsteps of Supreme, I would never be able to sell cannabis with my streetwear apparel. That's never something that I could ever do if I kind of went their direction. But I'm a cannabis company that can also make dope apparel. And I can also be on a street like Supreme. And we were fortunate enough to be able to find that place. And because we knew like the vision I had with my team four years ago, 
All of this came from advocating. How do I change the face of cannabis and what it is? As we go into the future, our young people, are the, the people that are moving into this industry, more and more people, this is a multi-billion dollar industry, that the face has changed. And I believe that my team and I, we've been able to accomplish that. And when people think of cannabis, they're thinking of creative, they're thinking intelligence, they're thinking business people, they're thinking really fly dope apparel and merchandise. And if we were able to leverage the music industry, because we've never had to give away, we don't pay for people to put our names and things. It happens because it's part of our culture. They love it. It's in their neighborhoods. It's in their homes. And they're rapping about it. Okay. What if Supreme did a cannabis brand? You know, what is going to stop them? In which case, obviously, it's going to get a lot of hype. So now that a lot of the cannabis companies are thinking about the same ideas, you know, well, we could put out clothes too. Why can't Supreme put out cannabis? I'm not saying that they are. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised at some point as time goes on that you'll have a, like a Louis Vuitton cannabis and, you know, et cetera, because there's a lot of money to be made there. Wouldn't that be something that would possibly become super big and cut into your market? Well, I think the unique position I'm in now is, and to kind of wrap up my point is, these guys have come on, on these iconic blocks and they're already killing it in their own right. But now the new generation is in that position. They can maybe think about doing it, but I don't think there would be any chance that they could get those locations licensed because there's only set places that can be licensed. And I think there's a lot of corporate money that's been put into a lot of these businesses. And so we're creating our apparel and merchandise and kind of their business model at the same time as we're launching our, our cannabis dispenser, our flagship. So I think we're in a unique position, like where we're at now in this moment in time, to own that on that street. And we're being received very well because I think there's a vibe there where the people on the block that have helped build that culture, they're so excited the fact that, wow, this is historic. Like, this is our street. Before, it was around the corner. It was in people's cars in the parking lot. And now it's like, literally, you can go in, there's security, it's safe, there's tested products. And they're really excited about it. To speak to your other point is being that they are seeing that my team and I are creating this there and we're showing them, yo, this is real. This is manifested. This isn't just a, a pipe dream anymore. We're able to use, for example, like with Diamond, I don't want to give too much away, but our delivery platform, MJ, that I'm partners with at the Shabinsky's Dispensary, it's a direct consumer delivery in Los Angeles and in Oakland as well. But we, we have the ability with the technology that we built is to work with these different businesses and create a delivery with the same way that we did it with Barney's is that's kind of the way that we're legally able to do it. We can deliver to any legal business. And so whether it's a restaurant, whether it's Diamond or wherever it is, so we can create these ways where they can have a menu there, they, they can create unique products. And so where I'm going with it is what I'm doing to position myself is show them the flagship, show them what we can do, our products. But then obviously everybody that's coming around, they want their own looks. So then when they're looking to create something unique, that's not a me too product that's from some actual DNA that they can build a brand on that can grow. Naturally, they're going to come to me because they know the history of the genetics. They know how I've been able to transcend from the streets into where I'm at now in Fairfax and also all the way into high fashion. 
So we're just looking to connect the dots with all that and position ourselves right in the middle. So would you do like a white label deal? I mean, a lot of what's going on now, obviously, you're very unique in that you're like a real person who has authenticity and roots in the community, who has been able to take your business to another level. But at the same time, you have these big companies that are looking at the same space and consolidating and trying to buy uh, smaller companies. And, you know, at the end, who knows how many of these businesses will actually be around. Is that something that you think about as well? Is that, uh, I don't know, possible in your future? Because things like, look at the Barney's story, for example. So Barney's was, it was kind of news that, Bebo was going to be in it. You were going to be in it. It was all like the high-end Barney's, but now Barney's is closing down. So there is no more Barney's. Even when it was going on, those the um, cannabis side of Barney's wasn't really working from what I heard, that they had it some off in some corner. Nobody was really paying attention to it. I mean, it was great publicity, but it's a, really a model for the future. You know what comes to mind when you're talking to me now? It's just that whole play for me was for the cannabis community. The biggest thing I got from that is even like the inner circle of the cannabis community, the people that I know and respect that have been part of this movement for much longer than I've been around. I got so many messages from people saying, hey man, like even people that I didn't get along with from many years ago, text messaging me saying, hey man, like that's a fucking win. Like that was, that was huge for the cannabis industry because now all of a sudden, what I call the dirty bong syndrome, where people associate cannabis with negative things and lazy people and all the things that I think we're really moving past, but still exist. When people think about Barney's and New York and they just associate it with class. And so now the biggest feather in my cap from that is, is people associate Sherbinsky's with class and whether the product or the, it was a success or whatever it was, I came in to support them at that time, and I really, I, I benefited a ton from that because around the world, wherever I go, I meet people and they said, hey, you're the guy that was in Barney's, huh? So that was tremendously beneficial for me. I haven't pursued too much with Barney's because obviously a lot of this news came out as we were doing this, but it was actually like a really dope thing to be part of. And it, I think after that Barney story sort of hit, there's been the movement that's happening and people are starting to understand and there's other brands that, that are starting to, to sort of try to incorporate like this high end type of vibe with what they're doing. There's definitely moving in that direction and they're understanding that the money that's to be made here and, and, and they, they want in. So, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I was at a friend's and he had uh, just received a delivery of a box a beautiful box that he opened up and inside there are like five different oil options and then there are five different, you know, it's like a sampler package of, of 10 different products that's obviously tailored for the some people who can afford that kind of service. But it looks like that's becoming a business as well, a very high-end catering to the individual of high net worth, you know, who don't really want to go to the dispensary who want to have a different kind of experience. So things are changing and there's all kinds of opportunities opening up, it looks like. I, I wanted to ask about fashion 
to what extent does cannabis fashion, in other words, things just get popular? Is it more about the genetics or about the branding? You know, there's streetwear with exclusive drops, there's fast fashion, there's couture, which is made for a small number of people. So there's all kinds of fashion, right? So how do you think about your brands in that? Do you, are you creating brands for different categories or are you, are you looking at them all as one? I mean, for Sherbinsky in specific, you know, we've always been a flower and like a cannabis based company. That's, that's our, our bread and butter. And we didn't really want to get distracted getting too much into apparel and merchandise and lifestyle goods. So we really, we've been working on it, but now we're really going heavy into establishing the different tiers. And, you know, I could have done t-shirts and hoodies and that thing years ago, and there was millions of dollars to be made, but I, I was always told that we needed to establish the high end, like we needed to be in Barney's or in Maxfield or somewhere that puts us on a level before we go and we're like in malls across the U.S. So right now I have a new partner, Ben Massing, that's that's in Los Angeles here. He's been in in the, the fashion industry for many years. But now just having someone that's knowledgeable that has a factory in Los Angeles that we're able to create really unique high end quality items. But then we're also able to do the T-shirts. We're able to do pretty much from socks to hats to be the sky's the limit. So now just developing the relationships as we speak on, okay, where are the stores, what tiers, we've got the relationships. But um, obviously there's going to be $700 jackets or $1,500 like high-end expensive. I'm talking about treating cannabis as a fashion product in the sense that Supreme will drop an exclusive for a week or whatever, you know, as long as they have it, a limited edition version of a kind of cannabis. So if you had yeah. like some specific strain and say, okay, this week we're going to have this, it's only, it's a limited edition. Right. You could only get it now. Those ideas that you're thinking about as well? Yeah. For me, I think that's the biggest comparison like with Supreme and where I think people started to make that comparison is Supreme does a great job at, at controlling the, the supply and really making it exclusive. And it wasn't that I tried to do that is the supply was actually limited. And so that really made it popular. And wherever it was, it just went off the shelf really fast. But definitely, it's a huge part of our model. And like on the street, for example, um, there's definitely going to be lines down the block. And there's going to be seasonal flour that we only sell a certain amount of and strains that you're only going to be able to get that one time. Say, for example, right now we're harvesting up in Mendocino all of our full season crop, and we've got 500 different new varieties and flavors. Wow. So I'm taking um, new celebrities and I'm taking other people that want to establish brands. There's about five that are on my list now of people I really want to work with. And so what we've done is created an opportunity for them to come up to the farm and to actually go similar like a wine tour and see the different plants actually in their natural state growing. And they're able to really see which ones they gravitate towards. And then we can identify these different strains. And then we put it through a series of tests like potency for THC, chirping profile. And then we also look at the aesthetics of it. And then we look at the flavor. And then that's how I put it through a a strict process of how I select my new genetics. And then so together, we're able to build the DNA of their brands from a real authentic place. And that's what I enjoy. And this is what I work hard for to get where we're at now. Everybody wants to start something, but 
it, it's really difficult to build a brand if I go and take someone else's color scheme. You know, I'm building my brand off of something that was already made. I'm taking an OG, I'm taking a purple, and I'm putting that in my jars and saying, hey, this is my flower. It doesn't really do well. And people know that it's not authentic. So I'm excited about a lot of things that are going to be coming out next year for my, my genetics, myself, my seed, but also the people I'm going to be working with, some a few celebrities, a few people that are just very passionate and have different skill sets that they can bring to the industry. So I'm excited about that. So you, you were saying earlier that you are on your way to your new dispensary. So tell us, give us a little preview of what uh, we might find as when we go in there and what are some of the really special things that you're excited about? Yeah, you know, the, the dispensary, it, it was supposed to open in August. Here we are it's in November. And it looks like the 14th that we're going to be having our, our soft opening. So we really want to speak to the culture of Fairfax in means of like sneakers and apparel and curated items that when people can come to the store, it's going to be a high class experience. Some of the little things I can't give away everything, but just even from there'll be a signature scent that will be part of Strabinsky. So every time you come into the store, you know, you, there's this be a scent that's associated with the experience. And we're going to go into having things with terpenes and being able to share a different part of the plant with people that come in. That's one thing that I think is going to be unique to what we're doing um, and also educating them. Another part of it will, we have a, a museum type of display box that has like a dual key and there are these clear boxes that people can come in. And what I'm going to do is local people that collect sneakers or, or like collectible items. Um, like say, for example, a friend of mine, he's got one of the original first pairs of the Air Jordans that came out in 1986. And so he brings in these expensive Jordans and they're on display at our shop for two weeks, three weeks. But then we have a nice little plaque on the side that says, hey, 1986, Michael Jordan, Nike released it. And they, they educate you know, the, the people about the shoe and when it came out and what it was, but also the significance of the sneaker that they're actually seeing there on display. And so it gives people that collect these rare items that a lot of them just sit in boxes and that they have piled up. And a lot of these collectors, they have amazing collections and just give these guys an opportunity to show and display things that are truly unique and special and speak to the culture, but then also give people that are there on the street. Maybe they're down to Supreme. Maybe they're getting a bite at John and Vinny's, but they want to come in because they saw on my Instagram, these Jordans that are special and they want to come in and not only get some cannabis, but maybe grab a cool hoodie that has Fairfax on it, which are only available at our store on Fairfax. And then also see some, some dope Jordans. Then maybe pick up a Gucci ashtray that's there for $500. And so you're going to have products that are not your own as well, that you're going to be selling for other companies in the store? Yeah, I have a team and I've said, hey, these are kind of the items that I'm looking to have at the store. One of them, I'll say, for example, is like vintage ashtrays, a Gucci ashtray, Hermes ashtray, really dope designs, going online and finding them all over and things that are going to, even if you were there doing it, you've, you've got to find these special finds. And so just bringing special things. Um, we've got items coming in from Japan that are like vintage smoking accessories that are just really dope. And it's not going to be a bunch of tchotchkes, but it's, you know, we might have five or six items that are spread out through the store that I curate with my team. Could be sneakers. It could be a collaboration with one of the street brands. You know, every month it's sort of going to be something new in terms of our collaborations. So 
that's really going to be the vibe. Obviously, the best brands um, with the, the the flour that I curate, everything is tested by me, and to make sure that it's something I want on my shelf, the edible, the concentrates, just really establishing ourselves as bringing quality to the community. Yeah, it's a full time job just testing the product, man. You need you might need some help. It's a hard with that. job. <laughs> it's a hard job. You know, I'm hiring. I don't know if you're looking for work. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to help out in that department, sure. So, but uh, before you were Mr. Sherbinsky, you were Mario Guzman, right? So you you had some real estate experience, right? So I'm thinking, how is there anything that you learned in that in those days that you've applied to what you're doing now? And also, do you see this as a as a national or a global brand potentially? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, when I when I got out of high school. College wasn't really my thing. I played a little junior college ball, but my grandfather was a real estate agent and I really wanted to get more into real estate and saw that as my future. So I got licensed when I was 19 years old, ended up moving to the Bay Area. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and and I ended up buying houses and, and remodeling and flipping them. And I, I loved that. But, uh, you know, when the market went bad, that was right at the time, 2003 or so after 9-11. The real estate market wasn't that great, and it sort of fell in my lap, and that's how I ended up getting into the industry. So I was just going to ask the uh, the other part, you know, sort of what did you learn from that world that you could apply to what you're doing now? And do you have um, intention to just keep doing this nationally, globally, to the extent that it's possible? Yeah, to, to me, you know, this first store on Fairfax, I think it's really it's the most important. And I think uh, there's really no place else in California that I'd want to really launch. I, obviously, I started in the industry in, in, uh, in San Francisco, but I've really gravitated towards Los Angeles and the opportunity to start a store here, the market that's here. I think, I mean, already just from, it's not, the store isn't even built yet. It's just almost done. I've already got offered two or three, four different opportunities for people that want to do a Sherbinsky dispensary. And also one of the investors that I just brought on, he's going to be instrumental on me achieving that vision of going like multi-state and having the right people, making the right investments. So absolutely, Sherbinsky's is going to be something that's going to spread not only nationally, but globally. There's a lot of emerging markets and people right now, we're getting our CBD into different global markets and also our genetics into different global markets. So, you know, Los Angeles is, is such an awesome place to visit. And it's nice that people can come in and go onto a street like Fairfax and come in and experience what Sherbinsky's is all about. My whole vision with Sherbinsky's is, is I really want to help people. You know, when I started in, in San Francisco and it started out as a two light little grow and it wasn't about um, I didn't look at it like I'm helping people and I'm, you know, we're making a difference. It was really about just like paying my bills and making a living, completely honest. But then when I started to go into these dispensaries and I was sharing this flower and as, as months went by and people started to know that it was, it was just really good and they were benefiting from it. And I'd have a lot of people come to me and tell me how much it's changed their life and give me stories on and on people would come up and they would share these different benefits that, that my flowers give to them. And I just dedicated my life to it. So right now with the opportunity we have, I always want there to be a message behind what we do. We could have cool things. We could um, be on the cool block or whatever it is, but really 
the the real message behind the brand is that this is medicine and it's really just to me i'm i i know what it can do for people and it's great to be able to present it and have that that holistic health side of it but also to do it with style and and to have fun at the same time yeah i feel you i think you've done a great job with that and just one final question you know because i know now in la they're also starting these like cafes where you could actually sit and smoke and consume beverages, I assume, and have something to eat. Is, is that a direction that interests you as well, to potentially have something like that? Absolutely. And that's another opportunity that now that people see where we've been able to go with the dispensary, now that we're launching that, there's a, there's people with licenses that are very close by that we're looking at either partnering with or doing something. I mean, it's easy that they want to have us incorporated in some way, but we're definitely looking at adding that into part of our portfolio and, and where we're going with it. And you really just round out the whole lifestyle side of, of like what Sherbinsky's is and where it's going. There's a couple other things. Like right now, I'm looking at opportunities to do an ice cream shop, gelato, yeah, Sherbinsky cool. gelato ice cream shop. And so really, especially in LA, there's a huge opportunity for it. So those are the kind of things that interest me and in just adding on little different businesses that don't necessarily they don't necessarily need to be big money makers, but it really creates this lifestyle experience for people around the brand. Definitely. Well, especially sticking in a sweets department, because I, even in New York, people line up outside of ice cream and cupcake places. So I put that cupcake into your mind as well yeah. as potential. Because imagine in New York, uh, a Sherbinsky's ice cream shop, cafe. And I mean, that's, that's the vision. And so I think those things are going to come, but really starting with my, my home of, of California here and looking to expand with the right people. Okay, Mario, thank you so much uh, for talking with me in this big few weeks coming up. Look forward to hearing more about what happens there on Fairfax and also just keeping an eye on you as time goes on. Wish you continued success. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Light Culture, brought to you exclusively by Burb, where cannabis clothing and culture intersect. Please follow us on Instagram at shopburb and subscribe to this podcast at shopburb.com forward slash lightculture, as well as iTunes and all the regular distribution platforms. <laughs> <laughs>